to just bring her back. Look at her camera. I just want her back. That's all I want. <laughs> I've been so long without her, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, why didn't you afford it? missing earlier because my mom threatened me, and I just want her back. That's all I can think about is how much I just want her back. Disclaimer. In this story, we will be discussing the murder of a 15-month-old baby girl. This chapter may be triggering for some listeners. This will be the only warning. Please do not listen if you are sensitive to this topic. Everyone discussed in this episode is presumed innocent unless found to be guilty in a court of law. Anything discussed that is not released by law enforcement should be considered speculation. Hey everyone. Today, I'm going to talk about a crazy case involving a young mother who failed to report her baby daughter missing and would lead the police and the public on wild goose chases, all the while acting suspicious and remaining the number one person of interest in the investigation up until her daughter's remains were found. Wow. Now I know what you're thinking. Not another Casey Anthony podcast. Oh, the mother and... Not guilty party of her death of that child. (laughs) Totally not guilty, obviously. Well, it pains me to say this, but there happens to be another case where the parallels are both insane and tragic. Today, we're going to be talking about Evelyn Boswell and her birth giver, Megan Boswell. Boswell, Boswell, Boswell. This sounds familiar. I've talked about it before. I wonder. Oh, maybe that's why. Yeah. How old again? That would be a year and a bit? Yeah. Okay. When she was murdered, she was 15 months old, so one year and three months. Aww. So the story all started on February 19th, 2020, when the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, which we will refer to as the TBI from here on out, issued an Amber Alert on 15-month-old Evelyn Boswell, who had been reported missing the day earlier, by her grandfather, Tommy Boswell. He said that he hadn't seen her since Thanksgiving and that other family members said they hadn't seen her since December. She's not an 18-year-old girl. What do they mean they haven't seen her since? Exactly. So this is well over two months since we think Evelyn was actually last seen. Police started trying to pinpoint when the last day was that somebody actually saw her And one report suggests that it was December 26th, but quickly they ruled that out being Boxing Day. People knew the baby wasn't there. Then a babysitter came forward and said that she saw Evelyn either December 10th or 11th. This is really weird. Mm, Very. So, like, I'm sorry, is the mom not, like, an active role in the child's life? She does. So why aren't they saying, like, I... (sighs) So police, of course, they immediately go to her mother. Because Mm -hmm. who else would know better than mom where her baby is yeah um this woman's name is megan boswell she was 18 years old and evelyn's father's name is ethan perry megan and ethan apparently had a one night stand or like a very short relationship because it was over basically as soon as it started and he really has been absent and not in the picture at all um megan's new boyfriend hunter wood and her had been dating since december So they started asking Megan, where is Evelyn? When is the last time you saw her? And Megan says that the baby is with her dad, Ethan, and that she was actually supposed to be going to meet them in a grocery store in the parking lot to pick her up. 
Mm. Police quickly learned that this story was not true and that Ethan is actually in the army stationed away in Louisiana and he hadn't been with Evelyn. In fact, Ethan did not have a relationship with his daughter. What a weird lie to tell if he's yeah, away like, at war. Of course war. they're going to track that down like quickly. Like, does she not care? Does she... Like, like you thought well, Casey Anthony's he... lies were like so transparent and bizarre. Wait until you hear about this girl. I mean, Casey Anthony's worked for her. This seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So Megan's stories start changing countless times. Two days after the Amber Alert was issued on February 21st, this is a huge day. First of all, Megan does an interview with the local news station And in this interview, her behavior is super bizarre. She is over-emotional in some places, very disconnected in others, and just not very genuine at all. It's very weird to watch. And I don't think an audio clip would do it justice, but I'm going to include links to watch some of these videos in the show notes. But then towards the end of the interview, she actually says, I know who has Evelyn. And the reporter is surprised and says, like, what do you mean? Who has Evelyn? Like, oh, my God. Am I the one who's going to find out? Who? Where is right? she? Who is it? Yeah. To which Megan says the babysitter has Evelyn. And she says she didn't want to contact police. And she didn't report her missing because she was too scared that the babysitter was going to take off and disappear with her. Okay. Casey Anthony parallel there. Weird. Uh, she said, quote, well, the reason I never reported anything is because I knew the person who had her. And I didn't want them to run away with her. It sounds a lot like the Casey Anthony story. And the public, nor the law enforcement, was believing it. So later that same day, Hunter, Megan's current boyfriend, does an interview with the press and he tries to disconnect from Megan as much as possible. So Hunter says he actually broke up with Megan as soon as the Amber Alert was issued. Hunter stated that he's never even met Evelyn, that he's only seen photos, and that the relationship has been on and off since December, but even then it wasn't very serious. But he also takes the time to plug his own chicken restaurant business in this (laughs) interview, which is very off-putting, totally inappropriate in my opinion, but maybe that's me being judgy. I mean, he didn't meet her. It doesn't sound like he was very serious with this Megan. Mm -mm. doesn't sound like he thinks very highly of Megan. He didn't meet the girl, but... People are shitty, and I'm not saying they that's not shitty. They that's a little be. shitty. Yeah. It's not It's not the right time. Right. So Megan's dad, remember, he's the one who actually first reported the baby missing, says that when he last spoke to Megan's mom, so which is uh, Evelyn's grandmother, uh, whose name is Angela, by the way, he told her, if I don't see Evelyn soon, or if I don't hear from you guys, I'm going to go to the police and report her missing. Allegedly, Angela threatened him and said, you don't want to do that. Trust me, you'll regret it. The obvious question here is why? Why doesn't grandma want her ex to report the baby missing? Does that, does that mean that grandma actually knows where Evelyn is? This is, this is also bizarre. Yeah. It's so weird to me that the same day I told you was a big day, February 21st, this woman, Megan's mom, Angela, and her boyfriend, William, are arrested in North Carolina on suspicion of stealing a vehicle and fleeing the state Mm. right after the Amber Alert was issued. Weird. They were charged with possession of stolen property for the 2007 stolen BMW, but here's where things get even 
weirder. As if it hasn't been like totally weird since day one. The stolen BMW was actually, okay, try to follow me here. This BMW was actually Megan's boyfriend's family's car. Yep. And apparently they had previous conversations where Megan's mom, Angela, was going to buy that car from his family. But because no money was ever exchanged, the family ended up reporting the vehicle stolen. Yeah. Okay. So she didn't go and find this car and steal it. She was driving this car with the agreement. She was going to make payments. Was driving the car? Megan's mom. Angela. Angela. Okay. With her boyfriend, William. Not following me? No, I fully am. I was just thinking about the parallel with Casey Anthony and her mom in the car. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So if this whole story is true, why then did Angela and William flee Tennessee and go to North Carolina right after the Amber Alert? She tells police it was to clear her head. Why would you want to go to an entirely different state to clear your head instead of searching for your missing granddaughter? It's weird. It is. It is just... it's, I'm sorry, do we know what happens at the end of this? Like, is this... No. We don't know... No. Did they find her? And they don't know how it happened. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, both Angela and William, her boyfriend, end up bonding out of jail. Um, but days later, Megan does another interview because Megan loves her interviews. And this time, she said her mom took Evelyn to a campsite in Virginia and that she told TBI where to find Evelyn in Mendota. So I just want to ask, like, so have you watched these interviews and stuff? Yes. Is she, is she a woman looking for her daughter or is she a woman answering questions? You know, that there's that difference. Like, is she going out there saying, like, the last I seen my daughter, my mom took her to a campsite? Or is she saying, like... I don't know why they're even looking for my one-year-old. Like, what is her vibe? Her vibe is very all over the place. Honestly, the first interview, um, she's describing Evelyn as the best baby ever, and she just wants her home. She just wants her found, but she's not emotional. Then, in this interview where she's talking about Mendota and her mom took her, she's actually, it looks like she's sitting on a porch with her grandmother or something, and she's very matter of fact and almost angry at her mom and just totally throwing her mom under the bus about having Evelyn and not bringing her back and if the police don't go and get her I'm going to go down there myself and bring her back and so maybe she truly does believe that her mom had the kid like do you get that vibe I never did no I personally never did but I'm sure there are some people out there that did I know the police did not but they followed up because I mean the grandma's seeing or The the grandma is backing her up that the mom is very manipulative and untrustworthy. But the grandma left. That's us. Evelyn's grandma left. I'm talking Megan is sitting there with her grandmother. No, no, no. Yeah. And that's not what, sorry. um, Better way to phrase it is that would like the people who believe maybe Megan means that she's looking for a kid. The grandmother's the one who took her to the camp. This is what Megan is saying. Like Megan's grandma or Megan's mom? Megan's mom. Okay. So to me, if Megan's mom left, that is pretty suspicious. Yeah. I would believe it's Megan's mom and Megan's mom's boyfriend so far from what I'm hearing, dynamic wise. Right. And the police do follow up. An untrustworthy man. 
with no correlation to that little girl. I don't know. It's just weird. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, so her story is proving to be just another lie. The very next day, uh, when Megan is right back to the media circuit by sending messages to them on Facebook Messenger and says, the police asked me to take a polygraph test, but I can't because I'm pregnant, which is such a weird thing to say because according to police, they never even asked her to do a polygraph test. We end up finding out that she wasn't pregnant at all, and I think she made it up thinking that it would be a legitimate reason not to take a polygraph, which it's not, but clearly sending Facebook messages to media looks to me like a way for her to stay ahead of the story. She probably thought the police would ask her to do a polygraph at some point, but honestly, who knows what she was thinking. So finally, after all of these conflicting stories, on February 25th, Megan was arrested on one count of false reporting. She was held on a $25,000 bond, um, and just FYI, jail records show no pregnant inmates were added to the jail roster when she went in there, so we know she wasn't pregnant. Interesting. So in a press conference, the police captain actually says that Megan changes her story every single time we talk to her. Literally every single time. And right after this news conference ended around 1.40 p.m., investigators in North Carolina get a tip to search for Evelyn near a pond. Remember, North Carolina is where Megan's mom and her boyfriend were arrested earlier. And property records actually show that Megan's mom's boyfriend's grandma. Megan's mom. So Angela's boyfriend's grandma. That's right. Angela's <laughs> boyfriend's grandma owns property on that pond. But the search did not turn up any evidence. So tips continue to roll in. And on February 28th, 10 days after Evelyn was first reported missing, police get another tip, this time to go and search a trailer park property, which happened to be owned by Tommy Boswell. Who's Tommy again? The grandpa? Tommy is the grandpa the one who actually reported Evelyn missing. Evelyn missing to begin meaning with. Meaning Megan's biological father? Correct. Okay. So they search the trailer park property, but nothing at all comes up. On March 2nd, Megan was in court for her first appearance. The judge denied her request to reduce her bond, leaving her in jail. Now her mother, Angela, like I said, had bonded out by this time on the auto theft charges and she makes her first appearance on March 4th, two days after her daughter's first appearance. Um, and William, her bo Angela's boyfriend, also makes his first appearance that same day. And those are both on the auto theft charges. Nothing to do with Evelyn. And Megan's first appearance is for false reporting. We think these people would steal a car, but not a baby. It's, you know. Finally, on March 6th, police receive a new tip that leads them back to Tommy's other property. This one is three miles away from the trailer park, and on March 6th, police announce that they have found the remains of 15-month-old Evelyn Boswell. I'm sorry, like, this is a lot of tips for police to be searching very specific areas mm -hmm. at very specific times. How does that come up? Mm. Like, does somebody just call and go, hey, you should check out the trout pond? Yeah, we don't know yet. 
Really? It's still like what the what could those tips be? Mm-hmm. And it's really suspicious if somebody's just calling and being like, "Have you checked the river near my house?" Like I don't know, it's yeah. weird. Very, very weird. So they found her body in a shed that was on the property owned by Tommy. They said Evelyn's body was dressed in the exact same clothing she had been reported to be wearing the last time the babysitter saw her on December 10th or 11th. So they don't, like, the babysitter can't even fucking narrow, I'm sorry, I'm going to get mad, can't even narrow it down to the 10th or the 11th? No. Pathetic. Very. Remember, so last seen on the 10th or 11th of December, not reported missing until February. 19, I said it at the beginning. 2019? Yeah. And nothing yet. Nothing. Four years. Nobody has been charged? She has been charged. Megan. Trial? Coming up. Oh. (laughs) There was a news reporter who said that she heard screaming and wailing coming from inside the shed. Presumably the grandfather was absolutely devastated, but nobody really thinks that Tommy, the grandfather, was involved at all. Then on March 9th, Megan makes her next court appearance on the filing false reports charge. But this is the first appearance since Evelyn's remains were found. At this hearing, the judge increases her bond to $150,000. The motion to increase the bond also says that Megan Boswell poses a substantial risk of harm to the community if she is released into the community. By March 11th, the autopsy of the remains was complete and confirmed to be Evelyn. Soon after finding Evelyn's body, a judge actually issued an order to seal the autopsy report. Um, this is usually a public record in Tennessee, but they wanted to keep the details private as they continued their investigation. On May 20th, Megan was charged with 10 additional counts of false reporting and remained in jail on that same $150,000 bond. On July 31st, the district attorney said in court that the prosecution intends to bring another matter regarding Megan Boswell to a grand jury on August 19th. So on that day, August 19th, a grand jury returned 19 counts against Megan, including felony murder and child abuse. Once faced with these charges, Megan told investigators that Evelyn died accidentally as a result of co-sleeping. Oh, my God. She claims now that she and her then-boyfriend, Hunter, were sleeping with the baby between them and was unintentionally smothered through the night. But remember, Hunter claims to have never even met Evelyn. (sighs) Okay, we're about to get into, like, some shit. We do find out, then. We find out. What happened to the baby. Yeah. How she died. Yeah. Yeah. You said no. Like, we know it was Megan. You just, she just said. You just said. I mean, I know it was Megan, just like I knew it was Casey Anthony. But she admitted it. Megan admitted it. But she's saying that she rolled over onto her baby. So I'm going to start with the... Yeah. Remember, Hunter claims to have never even met Evelyn, and there's no evidence proving or showing that he ever did meet the baby. And he's he hasn't been charged with anything. Still so, to this day. Still to this day. Okay. So a few months ago now, the autopsy report was finally unsealed, and the details within it were shocking, heartbreaking, and horrific. So I'm going to put an extra trigger warning here. There was a wadded-up ball of aluminum foil found inside the baby's mouth. 
Is that ever used for a reason? Do you know? No. Um, apparently, a forensic pathologist was on an HLN show talking about this autopsy report. Mm-hmm. And he said sometimes they'll, he has in the past seen tinfoil in a child's or an adult's throat um, that was accidentally put in there and they ended up choking on it and they can't breathe because that's not something that can freely move up and down, right? Do you know what I mean? Like it's tinfoil, but I guess it was a tightly wadded ball in her mouth. Um, Wow. So her head and body were also wrapped in tinfoil um, so snugly that the imprint of Evelyn's face could be recognized when the foil was carefully removed by the medical examiner. Hmm. The baby was then wrapped tightly in a fleece blanket with her head and neck extended back so far that the back of the little girl's head was touching the top of her back. She was then placed into a garbage bag and then I'm not using this word. This is straight out of the autopsy and then shoved upside down into a trash can while still alive, according to this medical examiner. So she died via like suffocation. Mm-hmm. Wow. After having her head extended back, she's wrapped tightly in that blanket with tinfoil in her mouth and wrapped around her head. Any other trauma, like head trauma, like not that, not no, it didn't. That would say lead anything. to somebody maybe trying to cover it up. It didn't say anything like that. Hmm. But I should also note that during the initial search of that shed, behind the shed, investigators discovered an old unused playhouse that Megan's father Tommy had once built for Megan, and noticed a trash can and two trash bags just inside the door of the playhouse. Tommy is actually the one who asked investigators to search that property and shed because of the items that had been placed there more recently. So Tommy went on to say it was my belief that they were placed there recently compared to the other items in the playhouse. There were more cobwebs and dust on the other items. He said he believed that the two bags and the trash can had been placed there weeks or months before he found them, but that it had been years since anyone had otherwise used the structure. Hmm... So, originally, Megan's trial was set for April of 2021, and then it was pushed until September 22. Um, I also heard recently that it was postponed until September 2023. However, it has now been scheduled for February 2025. Jesus, which tells me investigators need a lot of time to try to put a case together is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And there's so many people involved, and they're probably... They'll probably, I mean, I don't know. The connect that it's not a connection, really. But if there's no evidence, the most that they could hit her with is, you know, being neglectful. So here's the thing, though. If they, if she is saying that she accidentally smothered Evelyn. Yeah. And if she's admitting. But how many times do you see investigators push and push and push and push until they get some form of confession and then they'll continue to push mm-hmm. and then they'll like almost like offer little things like well maybe you killed her but you didn't mean to kill it her it was an accident it was yeah. an accident so like all i'm saying is that like this is kind of where i'm going with the um so if she's admitting to that and if she's admitting to being the one that wrapped her 
And if she's the one admitting to placing her in that trash can and the medical examiner can prove medically and scientifically that Evelyn was alive when she went into that trash can, that changes. I don't think they can prove that. And I've seen other cases like that. If she rolled on top of her and killed her through suffocation, or there's broke no her neck or something. Like if, if it's, it's that so far back, like, but if they're te- if if it's the suffocation part, they can say their professional opinion. But when that question comes in, that's can you say without a doubt mm-hmm. that she was suffocated in the trash can and not you know due to her mother rolling over and laying on her? Mm-hmm. The whole thing is over because they can't they can't say without a doubt. So yeah, you're right. So she must have done it if she's admitted to it. If there's not some other sketchy shit going on, mm-hmm. but but if you look at like even the medical examiner at the Casey Anthony trial mm-hmm. with Kaylee, um, she deemed it to be a homicide, basically because there is no reason that a child would have duct tape over its nose and mouth unless an mm-hmm. adult put it there. Totally. And there's no other reason to do that than to stop a child from breathing. Yeah, and if there's tinfoil down the throat and, you know, she, her excuse was she rolled over on top of her and then also she was put upside down in the trash and then the tinfoil, it almost seems like she was trying to find a way to suffocate the kid mm. and didn't know what she was doing was like maybe like kept trying like different ways mm-hmm. and thought, well, this is going to work because I've shoved this down her throat. So she's going to choke on that and mm-hmm. not be able to breathe through this anyway. Wrap the tinfoil around the head plus garbage pail. Maybe she was desperate to be one of those moms who just want to be without their kid, you know. So another side to the Casey Anthony one too is that the jury didn't, must not have put much stock into what the medical examiner testified to. It's not that they didn't put stock into it. It's that the defense poked holes in it because they say their professional opinion. But then when those questions are asked, they cannot say without a doubt all these little like opinions that they have. Like it's not always like set in stone. And that all you have to do is have reasonable doubt. And that's way easier than, you know, being 100% like one way. Mm -hmm. I just, I think that it's important to get multiple medical examiners' opinions on stuff like this. I think that they should continue to talk to Megan, get more information, maybe give her something she wants to do that polygraph, like, that can help at least set their minds on the right track. Oh, and, and I mean, I'm sure they are, right? The, the investigators were on to her very, very quickly. But we're on to her lies very quickly. The I think only issue is truly there is a huge thing with police forcing confessions mm-hmm. these oh, days. Oh, yeah, I just watched another one yesterday. And, like, I just never know when to trust it and when not to trust it. Yeah. I would like to see the interviews just to see if, like, they're grilling her really hard and if she see if she's sensitive. She's 18. Yeah, no, we don't get to see the police interviews yet. These are all mm-hmm. just the media interviews okay. that are up. But, yeah, no, we. I mean, I think it's very important to remember that this is an 18-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. So if anybody is impressionable, it will be this girl. And if, if there's a girl who loses her cool on her kid, 
it's going to be this girl too, right? So like, oh, there's so many different ways that it can go. Mm-hmm. These teen cases, yeah. the the one teen who tossed her baby into mm-hmm. like the trash can, like yeah. so many of them. Yeah. And, and mothers who kill their kids. No Way matter too many of them. how long I live, it will never cease to destroy me whenever I hear of a mother murdering her child. No matter what the reason or the verdict, it's something I can never wrap my head around when I think of how important my kids are to me. It's like you can't breathe when you know they're not, when they're hurting or they're not safe. And I can't imagine or relate to anything less of a mother. I don't even think we should be referring to them as mothers. Honestly, birth giver is even too kind, I think, for some of them. And I I could foresee like more of these cases on Mm. the rise in America after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. For sure. Like, you're just, you're opening it up to more mistakes made by young women. Yeah. So we're definitely going to be watching for any and all updates on this case and Angela's case and William's case. Um, Just, you know, if there's any connection made or if there's additional charges made against them. Evidence. Evidence. Confession. Everything like that. I mean, we can definitely expect an updates or a part two to this episode. Hopefully soon. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully very soon because I said it seems to be dragging a long way out for supposedly now having somewhat of a confession. We have the body. We know how she died. Um, So what's the hold up kind of thing? Being pushed to 2025. I bet you there's issues with all of it. Yeah. And I think they're trying to tie it all together because what kind of a coincidence is that they're in North Carolina, then they receive a tip from North Carolina you know I what still I'm saying? think Angela's sus. Something, I think something's got to be connected there. Um, but I think I'm glad to be done telling the story for now. And so we will put a bookmark in it. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you don't mind giving us a five-star rating, it will help our show grow. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube at True Crime Story Podcast, where the discussion can continue. If you wish to contact us, you may do so via email at truecrimestorypod at gmail.com. I'm Bree. And I'm Char. And we'll see you on the next chapter. Bye.